This is uh, this is like coming home for me, and uh, even though we've been away for nine years, it's uh, it's awesome to be in the Great White North again. And I want to just quickly introduce my family here, if I can, and I'll just let them do that. I'm Beth. I'm Ben. How old are you? Fifteen. <laughs> I'm Becca, and I'm thirteen. I'm Abigail, and I'm eleven. I'm Noah, and I'm seven. All right, thanks, guys. You guys can sit down. Was I supposed to tell my age? (laughs) No, you don't have to tell your age, honey. (laughs) Well, it is such a pleasure to be here this morning, and uh, we are just so excited to be a part of this summer to serve. And it's been just a little over two years that we've been on the road, and uh, we have learned some amazing life stories uh, in the last couple of years, some of them incredible, some of them difficult, but... The number one thing, the number one lesson that I want to say right now today is that it's all about God. It's all about His glory. It's about His fame. It's not about us. It's about Him. To think that the very God of the universe, who created everything that there is, who opened the mouth of the lion's den, who opened the Red Sea, that He cares about writing our story, your story, into His story. That blows me away. Just the thought that He wants to live his life in us, but not only in us, he wants to live his life as us. That's an incredible thought to think of. And our story began in Atlanta. And prior to Atlanta, I was um, in ministry, didn't make a whole lot of money, and went to Atlanta and got into the mortgage business and the pendulum kind of swung the other way and I started to make more money than I never made in my whole life. It was kind of money hand over fist and I kind of liked it and we spent a lot of money on ourselves. And on our own pleasures and new furniture and cars and backyards. And I, Beth and I got together the beginning of that year of 2007. And we started to pray and think through what do we want to do as a family. And I had been overseas in college. It really impacted me. And we just decided, you know, let's go on a missions trip to Africa. It really was the way everything came together. We ended up leading the trip. It was the first family missions trip that North Point Community Church had ever done. It, uh, I didn't realize the impact it was going to have, but it was Beth and I and then the three oldest kids. Noah was a little bit too young at that time. For those of you who have traveled overseas, you'll know what I'm talking about. When you see the faces on a television screen or you see it in a magazine, um, it's totally different than when you meet the people and you get to look into their eyes and they call you your friend and you're hugging them. And then to see the, the really adverse conditions to actually not only see the poverty, but to smell the poverty. It impacted us in a profound way. And in fact, one of the guys that I met, his name was Sammy, just became instant friends with him as we sat and talked and ate together. He just told me that if he only had a cow, that he could feed his whole family. I just began to think, man, how many cows could I buy him with everything that I had? And here, all he wanted was just one cow. What really impacted me about the people there, even though there was all this poverty, there was this incredible sense of joy and community that they had. And so we came back home. We sat in our 4,500 square foot house, and I remember it like it was yesterday. We sat and we wept. And we wept not because of what we had, but we wept because of how poor we were. We were so poor relationally. We lacked the joy and the community that the African people had, and yet we had all this stuff. And so we began to really reflect and and pray and say, was it really this 
Did this really bring us life or did it take life from us? That's exactly what Africa did for us. It just caused us to really open our eyes and to really take an honest look. And sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes it's easier just to keep yourself busy and to keep filling up your life with things so you don't have to stop and have to think about, you know, the reality of your life. And so um, without even realizing it, we had begun to look to things to bring the purpose and fulfillment and the joy and the contentment that only Christ can bring. And I don't even think we fully realized that until coming home. And so, um, because we, we were good Christians. We were involved with church. We were in a small group. We were serving. We, were, um, we thought we were doing enough. But yet when we got home, we realized we did have this emptiness that when we quieted everything, the rat race, you know, of life just kind of stood still for a little bit. We really realized how empty we were. And so obviously the conclusion that we came to is that things in this life will never, ever bring satisfaction. And I know that seems like a simple, obvious thing to say, but um, I don't know. It just was earth shattering for us when we really got to that point of just saying, okay, God, you know, we, we've done all this stuff. We've built this great life and this great house and this American dream, but we don't think we've done this in your name. We don't think that we've, all this effort has really been worthwhile. We think that after seeing what we just saw in Africa, that really, like Jay said, it was a, a switch, like that we were poor. And so, um, you know, our life was just an endless cycle of that discontentment because you know how it goes. As soon as you purchase one thing or fix up one area of your house, there's always something else. There's always that something more. And so that longing is just never filled. And so um, we realized that the life we were living was actually robbing us of maybe the, the real true life that God had for us. One of the gentlemen that we met in Africa... He was our country host. His name was Paul Mundy. He was a brilliant young man, and he told us stories how he grew up in the slums and was one of the worst slums in, in Nairobi. He talked about how when the young people in that community broke the law, the community would take the law into their own hands. And he literally saw friends of his stoned to death. In fact, some of his friends, he, they would take uh, tires and wrap it around their arms and then put gasoline on it and light them on fire. And as he told us these heart-wrenching stories, he told us, he said, the only thing that kept him alive in the slums was the fact that he had a dream. And his dream is that one day he'll be the president of Kenya. And that's the second lesson that we learned is that I believe that the God of the universe, before the creation of time, plants a dream, a unique dream and skills and abilities in each of us to be used for his glory. We began to talk about, well, what was our dream? So we sat in the front room and and Beth asked, she's great at asking questions, and she said, well, Jay, what's your dream? And kind of, I think she kind of knew what it was. And I said, well, my dream is to sell the house, buy an RV, and travel the country. And she said, well, yeah, that's my dream, too. And so we, we kind of thought, well, this is really nuts and crazy. And the more we prayed about it, the more we realized that this is what God had for us. And I, I do want to clarify right here, right now, like Brian said earlier, we're not saying that everyone to follow God should sell your house and buy an RV and travel the country. In fact, my brother Brian, who's here today, says that one person's dream is another person's nightmare. <laughs> and there's been a few times on the road where I've kind of thought about that and said, I think that's maybe true. But I really believe that God does plant a dream in us that he wants us to use for his glory.
I felt very fortunate that we experienced Africa as a family because had Jay and I just gone and we were to try to come home and convey, you know, what we experienced to the kids, I think that would have been challenging. But since we were all there, except for little Noah, but we came home feeling a lot of the same emotions and thinking some of the same thoughts. And so we were wrestling through this. And as the thought came to possibly sell our house, we realized that this was going to affect every single one of us, that our kids were going to have to give up their friendships. I mean, not give them up. They would keep in touch with them. But they would have to walk away from church groups and relationships and just a comfortable lifestyle. And so we knew it was because of that sacrifice that they were going to have to make as well. We knew they had to have a voice in this and that we didn't want this to be our decision, that we were just going to make this and, and kind of convince them. All of their feelings, their opinions, even their fears and concerns really mattered to us. And we knew that we had to come together and seek God together. And so we did that, and it was hard. And there were a lot of tears, and there were a lot of emotions. I mean, it was just, it was a powerful time that we spent together. But as a family, we did decide, obviously, that we would do this and that we travel full time. And on April 18, 2008, we set out, we sold our home and bought an RV. Our express purpose was to go out and serve those in need, and that's our intention going out. And as we went out, we didn't have a clue where we were going. In fact, when I, um, when I got in the RV the first time, this guy drove it from Las Vegas to our doorstep in Atlanta. And after he left, everything happened so quick, I was like, darn, I don't know how to drive this thing. And so I, I called him up and said, Paul, how do you start this thing and put it in gear again? And so he told me. And we went down to Chick-fil-A and had a grand old time and realized you have to make you know, big, wide turns with it. It was, it was amazing, but as we went out, we really, Beth and I had done the study experiencing God. And we realized that, you know what, God is working all around us. Uh, again, he doesn't, he doesn't need our help to do his work, but he chooses to use us. And so we just have to join him in what he's already doing. And we saw that so many times. And we learned so many lessons from people that we met on the road. In fact, many of these people were the poor, were the, those in need. And one gentleman in particular, we were in Atlanta. It was a rainy day, and we would go under the bridges with a guy who leads a ministry called Seven Bridges to Recovery. And this particular day, we went under the bridge, and this guy was underneath there. And he looked like something out of Pirates of the Caribbean. He had slick back hair, missing teeth. He had a big, long beard. Um, he had a beer about that big in his hand. And I will never forget what he said to me. He looked me in the eye, and he said, show me what you say. And I thought, wow profound words from a drunk guy under the bridge. And it reminded me of James 2.20, that faith without deeds is useless. And so I began to think about how many times do I, have I sat in church, heard a great sermon, you know, read the Bible, prayed, but then I don't do anything and it, it's not been translated into action. And I'm sure that this guy had heard a lot of people say a lot of things, a lot of unfulfilled promises. And so that's a huge lesson that we learned along the way that, you know what, if we don't put our faith in action, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. Then our faith doesn't mean a whole lot unless we're willing to step out in faith. And many of the people, just like this gentleman, have been broken and it's been very evident outwardly. And I'm always amazed at how upfront and honest they are about their hang-ups and their struggles and their addictions. Because I, on the other hand, had hid my lifestyle. I, um, 
I grew up in a really rough home, and from my early childhood into the first years of our marriage, I um, I hid. I was very fearful of people finding out what um, what really happened to me and what really was going on inside of me, and so and so I want to share this with you today. I guess just to show you that we are just broken people. When I was five years old, my mother committed suicide. And as a young girl, I also suffered different types of abuse. Another thing I was very fearful of other people finding out was my father's struggle. And after my mother died, he buried himself in alcohol. And that was his escape to the pain. So I felt extreme abandonment, feeling like I had lost two parents. God continued, you know, after I became a Christian at the age of 19, and God continued to work in my life. But it wasn't until about 10 years ago that I really felt, felt God's healing touch and his healing power on my life. It wasn't until I was really willing to open up those dark, hidden areas, and I was willing to open them up to God, but then also to other people, and to share my brokenness and to share the deep struggles that I had because of that. And so what I came to realize is that 2 Corinthians 12.9 is true, where God says that his power is perfected in my weakness. And so here I was like this cracked vase, and all I could see were the cracks. I couldn't see God's power, but his light, he promises that if I will be open and honest and reveal those to him, that he wants to display his power through me. And so I experienced that firsthand, and only God can do that. Only he can take a broken, messed-up life and take all those pieces and, and make them into a beautiful mosaic. And so I feel like that, that's what he did with me. But I truly had to get to that place where I was willing to be honest with myself, with others, and with God. And that's when the true healing came. But again, I just share this with you today only because I, I get, we get a lot of feedback that people look at us and think, oh, isn't that sweet? Look at this precious family. And we stand up here as just broken people. We have been through a lot. And I drug all that stuff into our marriage. And Jay was faithful, and he hung in there with me. And we just want you to know that, we, um, that we're just average, ordinary, broken people. So... And that's the business that God's in. He loves to use ordinary, average, broken people. It's another life lesson. And I'm sure in this room there's represented some equally challenging situations. And God wants to use that for his glory. Uh, He wants us to bring it to him and he wants to use it. And, And, you know, the other thing that we've learned along the way that in order for us to act, we have to risk and break through barriers of fear. And, you know, we experienced, I personally experienced a ton of fear going out on the road thinking, well, motorhomes a depreciating asset and, well, so, are, so is housing right now. But, um, but there was two big fears that I faced. And I think maybe for men, you can relate to this fear of failure and fear of rejection. Fear of falling flat on my face, what, you know, and then fear of well, what are other people going to think of me when I, if I do fall flat on my face. We have had the privilege of meeting dozens of incredible people who have really stepped out in faith as well. We call them the heroes of the faith. And we do stories on our website. They're three to five minute videos called Stories of the Obsessed. And I'm just going to share one, one story of a guy named Gerald Martinez. He's a crazy guy. He reminds me of somebody out of, this, of the 60s. Uh, looks like Jerry Garcia. has got the big beard. Dry, uh, yeah, we hung out, a very relational dude. Um, we pulled up to his house in Albuquerque, got to 
have a conversation with him, and he told us about how he lived in the foothills of Albuquerque, making half a million dollars a year with a sign business, and he felt that he and his family felt called to go and minister to people in the city in what they called the war zone of Albuquerque. And there was prostitution, gunshots, he got chased with cinder blocks. He has been there for 10 years, and the crime rates come down 50%. He's literally the pastor of his neighborhood. And it was so cool to get to meet him and to hang out with him. In fact, he was, their family was the ABC Extreme Home Makeover New Mexico recipient. And so it was fun to get to see the house and hang out with him. And, and one of the things, you know, this is just Gerald. Um, one of my favorite quotes from the road is, is Gerald. And he was just, you know he's always up to something. But he says, hey, Jay, how do you spell faith? I said, I don't know, Gerald. How do you spell faith? He said, R-I-S-K. And I thought, wow, that's a great quote. Can I use that one? But it's just, it's true. Unless we are willing to step out out of our comfort zone and risk for God, we don't know exactly what he'll do for us. And then lastly, um, I just want to share with you that the last life lesson is that life is short. You know, we don't know how long our life will last. Uh, All I know is I've been reminded recently that it's short. Uh, In a couple months ago, I found out that one of my best friends, his mother-in-law died on the operating table. And the same day, I found out about a friend of mine in Atlanta who fell off a stone mountain 500 feet to his death. Life can just be gone like that. And I don't know about you, but for me, as I really think about that, and I think if I think about life and eternity being the line and our life being a little dot on that line, I want to live for the line. I don't want to live for the dot. You know, when we stand before God, um, you know, he's not going to, I'm not going to say, well, man, I'm sure glad I did my backyard and I'm glad I bought that new furniture. No, what we can take with us is what we pay forward and how we serve others. The Bible says that when we give a cup of cold water to one of those people who are thirsty, that we've done it unto him. And so to just come and hear messages, and we need to go out in action and to really live out our faith. And that's the way that we will win people to Christ. And obviously it's his work. It's the work that he's doing that he wants us to join us in. And so the challenge today is will you step out? Will you join us this summer? There's plenty of opportunities. I've been so impressed with just the fact that you guys are doing this and the fact that it is uh, summertime in Minnesota. I remember I lived here my whole life. And so when it's summer, it's like you better go out and enjoy it because it doesn't last long. But uh, so it's so cool that you guys are doing this. And we're excited. There's opportunities, like Brian said, at the the mobile home park. We're actually staying there. And so we're going to build some relationships there. Um, hammers of hope like you mentioned and then we've also got a wednesday night class that we're teaching at seven o'clock here that we've got room for about 10 or 12 more people so if you're interested we talk about this idea of dignity and inviting people that we serve to serve with us and uh, we would love to uh, invite you to that and then to join us sunday mornings but really the the main point that we want to make is you're going to have these opportunities come out and join us we'd love to to serve with you Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for today, God. Thank you for the opportunity to get to share. Lord, thank you that the story is all about you. Lord, you're the one who's worthy of all the praise and the glory. Lord, thank you that you choose to write us into your story. Lord, help us to break past fear and and to risk something, God, for you. Um, Lord, like my friend Gerald says too, I want to be loose change in the pocket of God that you can spend any way you want. 
Lord, I pray that that would be our prayer this morning, God. Just take our lives and use them, God. In Jesus' name, amen.